Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 94. My name is Arvin. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPlanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fuleman. Hi, everybody. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing, Fuleman. We're all shit. <laughs> no one is doing well. No, uh, I, I just like to note, and I didn't even realize this until you said it, this is the Tyson Berry episode. Oh, that's, that's How's great. How's that for dramatic timing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the trade deadline. This this, has... this, this um, podcast isn't actually going to make it to the internet. It's going to get blocked by SoundCloud. <laughs> but we'll take a lot of attempts at it. Yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll do this five times, but every time it's only going to get like halfway to, and then SoundCloud's just going to reject it. And then we're going to go the other way, and SoundCloud is going to like physically push me over. <laughs> so that's how we're doing. Uh, these are the kind of comments we're making. Uh, today was the NHL trade deadline. It's the last point in the year where you can acquire players and then play them in the playoffs. Uh, you actually can make trades after this. It's just the players you get can't appear. So there was much toing and froing. Uh, the Leafs did not do maybe as much as some people hoped. Cough, cough, me hoped. Uh, they did one minor thing just as we went to air, which is probably worth just discussing briefly. Uh, they picked up a fifth-round pick from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange from Martin Zirkles and for retaining a portion of Robin Lehner's salary. Lehner, you may recall, played goal for the Chicago Blackhawks up until an hour ago, but he somehow passed through Toronto and left a bit of his salary behind and then went to Vegas. And so the Leafs have weaponized a bit of their cap space that, to be honest... I'm not sure too many people thought they had the room to do and gotten the fifth for it. This is good and fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's above good and fine. Like, that's an actively good move. And, yeah. And it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a fifth-round pick, right? That That's going to get used on, I don't know, some dude. Jesper Jespensen <laughs> from Sweden. Um, I've heard good things about him. Yeah. And, you know, Jesper Jes- Jespensen's probably not going to become a star or even an NHLer, but... Gives you another uh, crack at getting one, right? So that's good. That's a smart move by Dubas. Um, I like it just as a rule. You know, you should always be looking to try and facilitate trades and, you know, to get a cut for it. Especially, you know, at the trade deadline where the the deadline itself adds desperation for teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vegas, incidentally, like, they might be cut favorites um, with Leonard because he's an actually good goalie. Mm-hmm. And that's really where they've just struggled this year. And as someone who bet on Vegas to win the cup, I sincerely hope they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bet against them, that's for sure. They look like a very strong team. Now, Weak them fire. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, if they're, if they're facing the Flames in the first round or something. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be nothing. You know, the, the only thing about it is firing Gallant seems very dumb to me. I still don't oh, really yeah, get no, that. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's weird. And yeah. but the thing is, their they're, they're numbers under... Um, DeBoer, what's yeah, DeBoer, yeah, have still been like excellent. So I, I don't know maybe, what's going on there. Maybe he has the sense not to break it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all right, boys, just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Mark, <laughs> make some saves. <laughs> done and done. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's fine. That's the sort of thing we want to do. It's worth noting in light of some of the modern thinking on drafting. The Leafs are now slated by my count to pick a total of nine times in the last four rounds of this draft. They don't have their own first or third anymore, but they have two fourths, that fifth they just got, three sixths, and three sevenths. So we're about to find out if that sort of scattershot theory of drafting, which is just take as many kicks as you can, uh, is going to pay off. Yeah. Uh, The Atlantic division in general has a lot of draft picks, I think, in this particular draft. Montreal has almost double. Yeah, Montreal has been stocking up and Ottawa has also done yes. a depressingly good job. Yeah, the, what they got for Pajot was phenomenal today. Yeah, first and a second. Oof. Um, yeah, anyway, so not the most fun in that regard, but the move is good. The more significant move is the extension for Jake Muzzin, which we kind of anticipated, everyone anticipated. You know, we heard about it. It came in at $5.625 million for four years. The first year is next year. Obviously, it's an extension. It's about what we thought it was going to be. The year, there is a no-move clause in the first year, apparently, which drops to a no-trade clause, which has the effect of meaning he doesn't have to be protected in the Seattle expansion draft if the Leafs don't want to. 
And it's also worth noting he has quite extensive signing bonuses in the first two years and still some in the last two years. In the last two years of the contract, especially on July 2nd, this gets very tradable. So we talked about different ways that the Leafs could try and mitigate the downside risk because Muzzin is going to get quite old for a hockey player in the course of this deal. It should be extremely tradable by the end of it. And it's worth noting in the last year, he only has a modified no trade clause as opposed to the full no trade that he has earlier. So there's certainly some positioning going on to allow the Leafs to get out of this. And the result is, is that I'm, I'm pretty good with it. You know, I've said I don't love all of the risk here. The risk isn't gone by any means, but I think it's managed about as well as could be expected. And he's a good player. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my opinion on it is the same as it was last week. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best possible version of that deal. Um, the Leafs really did everything they could to make this, as you said, easier to deal with towards the end. That does not mean it will be necessarily easy to do it towards the end. There is significant downside risk. Um, Muzzin will almost certainly not be worth that contract, you know, in the third and fourth year. It's, you know, the Leafs have done everything in their power to make sure it's not going to be them who's holding the bag when that happens. Um, But, yeah, there's no guarantees of that, right? If Muzzin falls off a cliff, if he continues to get injured, and he is a guy with a history of injuries, does play a physical style, you know, that's, that's a real risk. He's been injured this year already. Um, this mm-hmm. year has been a little bit worse by all the numbers than his last two. So you're wondering, okay, was that is this you know a one year aberration or the start of a decline? Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think it's a fine deal. Yeah. Um, but it's not one without risks, and I, and I kind of keep going back and forth in my head about like, okay, well, is this is this a smart move for for the Leafs to make? Because Muzzin is undeniably you know one of our best defensemen, maybe our very best defenseman. Mm-hmm. And he plays a role that we really don't have any immediate obvious replacement for. So in that sense, it's like, okay, yeah, sign him up. But yeah, this could go badly, very, very badly, and potentially very soon. Um, So it's an understandable deal. I get why they made it. It, As we said, presents the problem of blocking Sandine, and it means kind of your your cornerstone on defense, Riley, uh, Muzzin and Sandine, they all play the same side, right? So your prize prospect is blocked to some degree. I, I, someone has to move over, it seems, or we're just going to have a suboptimal allocation of uh, of ice time for players who we think will all be in the Leafs' four best defensemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least at even strength. But yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't have... I'm not mad at this deal. I'm not jumping up and down in celebration. I think it's an understandable deal that has downside risk it's, it's it's you know i make we make fun of Pierre Lebrun, but i think this is actually like a reasonable deal for both sides i can see why both parties wanted to do this um yeah i can see you know how the risks got evaluated and why they came to this number but yeah there are still risks and we just gotta hope it, it ages as well yeah the thing about kyle dubas is that i think he's done only defensible things he's never done anything where i was like wow that's immediately day one dumb And you would think that that's pretty common in general management, but you would be wrong. In our experience with the Leafs, I've had that thought a lot about previous regimes. But he has done some things that have not worked out as well as we might have hoped. And I'm sure he's aware, as much as anything, of the potential downside risk here. You know, he's he's by no means a a stupid man. Right, he he strikes me as a thoughtful person in general. Yeah, I mean... I disagree with a lot of the things that Dubas is not a lot, but I disagree with some of the things he's done. But I I don't I don't think that he would he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who thinks that his decisions are universally correct and have no risk. And I, I think mm-hmm. the reality is, as an NHL GM, you cannot win a cup and you cannot get particularly close to winning a cup by bunting and by, you know, shooting for singles every single time and, you know, continuing to always play it safe you have to at some point make a move that can blow up on you yeah you know who did that for a long time in terms of playing pretty conservatively i thought was kevin shovel day off yep in winnipeg uh and now he was restricted in terms of being an undesirable free agent destination apologies to winnipeg listeners um so he may not have been able to play in certain ways <laughs> in the most dangerous games but it was interesting seeing him develop and kind of draft and develop. And that took the Jets a decently long way. And now he's starting to, to have to make 
more aggressive decisions the last few years as he tries to put them over the top, and it's it's been a mixed bag. So, yeah. It, it, ultimately, I, I would say I'm certainly fine with this deal. I like Muzzin. I'm, I'm almost good with it, even though I said I wouldn't do it when we originally went on this on the podcast. You know, now that it's there, I'm sort of like, okay, I get it, and let's move forward with it. It's just, you know, there's a scenario where he gets old really quickly. And let's hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, the thing that gives me pause is kind of the decrease in his numbers from last year to this year. And, and by that, I mean, like, his, his play driving numbers, like his RAPM. Uh, and I think uh, his isolated threat, too. I can actually just check that real quick to make sure I'm not, you know, just chatting shit here. Um, <laughs> we want to make sure. But why else would we have a podcast, though? Yeah. That's what it's for. <laughs> So actually, so based on isolated threat, this season his play driving on a on a per, on a rate basis has been better than the previous years. Let me check if that's also the case with RIPM. I remember looking at RIPM and this year was not amazing in that regard, but I, I could have been misremembering it. So let's see. Um, this year slightly worse than last year's. Okay, so yeah, it's gotten better in the past few weeks, but very slightly worse than last year. So. You know, I, t- I, I walk some of that back. His numbers haven't really gotten that much worse this year. It's just the injury, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if as, as long as we're okay with his injury risk um, and the possibility that he might get just get old real, real quick, this is about as good as you can get. It's, yeah. I, I don't want to repeat myself too much. It, it's, it's an understandable deal that has some risk. I think everything we, we said last week basically holds up. Yeah, and so we are kind of committed to that. He is now a part of this defense group. He's actually by far the most established part of this defense group um, in terms of uh, being paid a large salary for term. Like, no one is actually signed as long as he is on the defense corps. Yep. So, yeah, anyway, that's where we're at with that. Oh, Maybe... sorry, I just want to make one yep. more quick yep. note. Um, we talked about how, oh, this deal was possibly easier to move um, or at least made it, did everything that they could to make it easier to move in the later stages of that. If they do have to move it, it will still almost certainly be a salary dump, which means that we right. would have to give up an asset. Right? Yes. I, I don't think if we move this deal, it's not because, hey, man, Muzzin's just so good, and, you know, we just, <laughs> you know, we, we want to move him to make room for Sandy, and I, I don't really think that's the case, and I don't really think, even if that is the case, a team jumping on the latter two years of, this deal is probably not going to view it as, oh, we're getting a top four defenseman for, you know, for two years. Because at that point, Muslin will be, what, 33, 34? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just we're just worthy of keeping in mind. It, it's, I, I feel more positively about it, seeing it now, than I, I probably did last week. Um, maybe mm-hmm. that's just kind of me talking my way into it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's it, it, everything else that we said, I think, holds true. The, the, the risk is still undeniable. Yeah, so... Yeah, anyway, that's where we're at, and we'll live with it on that. Uh, certainly a fine enough piece of work. Kyle Dubas didn't trade Tyson Berry. Yeah. So that was a, a talking point. I would say up until about a week ago, I figured, yeah, he's not going to trade Tyson Berry. Yeah, I think on this podcast, we both said, you know, this yes. is our move, uh, signing, signing Muzzin. And, it, and it's, a, good, it's a, a reasonable one, right? Like, it, that's kind of your, your bullet. Yeah. And you know what? The last week, and you didn't fall for this, but I did. I started to think they were going to deal him. I thought they actually are moving in that direction. They apparently had discussions. Now, Kyle Dubas said that there was nothing on the front burner in a press conference just now. I don't, you know, who knows exactly how true that is or what exactly yeah, it means. He's, but he's he makes exact- it sound like they were... He's not yeah. exactly going to be like, hey, yeah, Tyson, like, we were we were this close to fucking jamming yeah, you we off. Yeah, we were 90% of the way there, man. Asshole, we're stuck here, <laughs> right? He's not going to say that. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe it was close and just didn't quite get over the hump. Maybe it was never close. The question is, should it have been? And so we didn't do our customary walk through the week thing. We're not going to do it now, but we do probably have to talk about how the Leafs had... One of the most excruciating weeks that you could have in a regular season in terms of gameplay. It was gross. And I'm including one of the four games that they played where they did quite well. Tells you a lot about the other three. 
Um, yeah, it was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, it was more the worst of times than the best of times, but there was a brief best of times. It was the best uh, of times, and then it was the worst of times, and it was the worst of times, and then it was really the worst of times. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, since we last recorded, which you'll recall was eight days ago in the morning, uh, the Leafs played the Sabres and were terrible. Uh, they played the Penguins and were terrible. They played the Penguins again. And they were great. And then they played the Carolina Hurricanes and probably nothing happened and we don't even need to think about it. I don't think we're ever going to hear about it again. And, um, no, they, uh, they played really badly. And then the other team had to use an emergency backup goaltender that they borrowed from the Leafs organization, so to speak. A guy who's a Zamboni driver. Um, and... You know, God bless him. He seems like a really nice guy. And this would be a really delightful story for anyone but us. But he went in and we barely got a shot on him because Carolina suffocated us. See, that's the thing that's like, it's not embarrassing to me if the Leafs... So when when Scott Foster shut out the Jets, mm-hmm. that wasn't as embarrassing to me because they got shots. Yeah. Right? Like the guy had to make seven saves and it was only like a part of a, the third period. Yeah. Right? Ayers was in the net for 27 minutes. We scored on our first two shots. And I think we maybe got like four or five more the rest of the way. It felt that way. Mm -hmm. Right? And not dangerous ones either. It was was embarrassing. It deeply was. And you have to give credit to Carolina. They're a very good team who can do that. You know, they, they regularly kind of dominate teams they're you know as they've been for a long time they're a great coursey great expected goals team mm-hmm. but yeah that's it's embarrassing it's flat out embarrassing i have right. to admit and allow me some emotion on this one even though normally you know i try to be sort of rational perspective i was saying this before we went on i'm actually very good at sleeping off a loss you know, like, I, I make a big deal out of it and I complain or something like that. But I don't generally actually get in that bad a mood about sports for more than, like, half an hour after a game. You know, like, I did a rant about Tyson Berry at the start of the previous one. And it was, like, half sincere. This one actually was really, really frustrating. This whole week. And if any of those individual games had been one of four instead of three of four... If the Leafs had, you know, won um, against the Sabres and then taken two against the Pens, and then exactly the same thing happened in Carolina, I think I would, you know, I wouldn't even really make that big a deal. I'd be like, oh, what a goofy story. But at a certain point, it's like, if you're a good team, why don't you play well ever? The fact that, you know, we went in against some good competition in Carolina and Pittsburgh and also some weak competition in Buffalo and just kind of sucked. At a point that's really critical for our season, it's the kind of period where it's so easy to start thinking there is something fundamentally wrong with this team. There is something that's going on behind the scenes or at the core or in the emotional heart that is not working, that is not permitting them to live up to their talent level. Now, that's not really borne out, although the Leafs' numbers have been less impressive for the last two weeks than they were heretofore. They still look like, in many respects, a good team that is occasionally undone with bad goaltending. Although, again, recently they have earned their losses on you take the skating a, side. You take a thousand-foot view uh, mm-hmm. at the Keefe era Leafs, and it still looks fine. Yeah. It, were, it still looks like they're a good team that's submarine by goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you know, at the same time watching those games, you think, how is it that they were this bad? Like, I wondered a little bit if they were suffering the after effects of a flu or something like that, because at times they were so easily defeated. You know, it was pretty glaring. The overall numbers, you know, they incorporate the fact that in the last week specifically, and my memory really doesn't go back further than that, so I don't don't remember specifically how they played in the week before that. But Mm -hmm. in the last week specifically, they, as you said, deserve those losses. They were really, really, really bad in each one of those losses. And I know they technically won the XG battle against Pittsburgh. And um, I'm not usually one to say, you know, XG isn't representative. That was a game where XG was not representative. Yeah, um, so that was just pure score effects. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like it, it was, you know, 5 nothing. The Penguins stopped giving a shit. The mm-hmm. Leafs, you know, tried to, res- try to, you know, regain some form of 
uh, their dignity, mostly failed in doing so. Yeah. You know, that if how anyone could... And also, a lot of Pittsburgh's goals were open nets. Like, cross, heavy amounts of cross-ice um, passing. They cut our penalty kill to ribbons. So, you know, that that's... It was a bad performance, regardless of what XG says in that case. So, yeah, it's it undoubtedly plays in our mind, right? It's hard to convince yourself, oh, yeah, this is still a good team, when three of your last four memories of this team are them getting the shit kicked out of them, mm-hmm. right? And also getting the shit kicked out of them by both good and bad teams, as you said. Like, this was supposed to be—this stretch is supposed to be a test for the Leafs. Right, the, the and they failed, you know, the pretest in Buffalo, which was not supposed to be a test. That was supposed to be a coronation of, hey, these guys suck, kick their ass, and we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But then we failed against Pittsburgh. We redeemed ourselves, and then we failed in a perhaps even more spectacular fashion against Carolina. Now we have what a date with Tampa tomorrow. Oh yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, so you put all that together and you start thinking, okay, if we're evaluating this team on the scale of contention. They don't look like they're contending. And every team has slumps. They have bad stretches. The Leafs are missing Morgan Riley, who is one of their best two defensemen, depending on your mood. He's the best defenseman. Uh, and, you know, they're missing a couple of wingers. But I have to admit, at a certain point, I guess I just ran out of patience for a lot of this stuff. And I found myself thinking, okay, but every team has injuries. Every team has, oh, you know, occasional bad goaltending. Maybe not to the extent that we've had. It just feels like... We really are underperforming to an extent that is embarrassing, given the payroll involved. Now, none of that emotional reasoning should dictate a trade. Right, and it's in some ways reassuring that it didn't with, with Kyle Dubas, and that's not shocking, given what we know about Dubas, right? And, and this is part of the reason I thought we weren't going to make any trades. It's that Dubas is not a deadlines person. He's tended to be more proactive. Mm-hmm. Right, he went out and got Jake Muzzin with a year of term. If there was a trade for a defenseman with term that was going to fall into our lap or that he was going to make happen, then maybe that would happen. But we, we just didn't really have the assets. So when what it came down to is the only really viable trade is, are the Leafs going to sell Tyson Berry? Right, and right. we haven't mentioned that we did trade Michael Hutchinson for Callie Rosen. Um, yeah, uh, whatever. That's an AHL trade. Yeah, I mean, like even <laughs> even if Rosen gets a game or two here, he's our. At best, he's our sixth defenseman. So, mm-hmm. you know, not moving the needle either way. I like the trade. I think Rosen's more valuable than Hutchinson. I agree. Right? Absolutely. But, I actually, you know what? I like Callie Rosen a lot because oh yeah, no, I'm a sucker I, for a defenseman who can skate, even though, you know, he's he's a seven probably. But Yeah. I, it, it's, you know, to borrow your phrase from the Mulgan trade, it's trading a nickel for 26 cents. Or sorry, trading, yeah. trading a quarter for 26 cents. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's it's not saving you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fix the uh, the larger issue. You know, in, in looking at the Tyson Berry thing, because that was the big topic on my Twitter and online, and that was, frankly, what I expected we would have to talk about, is some sort of exchange there. The question is, okay, one, who plays the rest of the way? And the answer is, somebody probably not as good. Like, I think even with all my complaints about Tyson Berry, you have to recognize you're probably asking some combination of Timothy Liljegren and Martin Marincin and, I mean, maybe Calais Rosen to take his minutes. And that's not as good. Um, maybe you are experiencing a slight decline in power play effectiveness um, because you don't have Morgan Riley, because otherwise I think Riley could step in and do just as well. But, you know, you are giving something back there, and I don't mean to say that that's a, a zero cost. As frustrating as I find him, he is an NHL player of a certain caliber, and that makes him better than replacement level. The thing is, with this team where it is, with 20 games to go in the season, where they're not really doing a hell of a lot, that's super impressive to me, where I don't view them as genuinely contending, I do find myself thinking, okay, is whatever Tyson Berry is bringing over replacement level, which I don't think is that much worth more than second in a B prospect. I don't know if that was on offer or not. Maybe it was just a complete uh, arid market for him where there was nothing to be had that was of any value. Maybe not. But I do find myself thinking, just seeing a lot of what was going on there, I 
Like, I, I probably would have done a second for him. The other thing worth mentioning so, is... Mm-hmm. I think if we were going to trade Barry, it wasn't to get a draft pick and use the draft pick in June. It was to flip the draft pick immediately, along with, like, Kapanen, for an actual yeah. defense upgrade. So there's um there's potentially multiple points of failure in this deal. Maybe we like the price that we got for would have gotten for Barry, but if it was let's say Barry for a late first and we didn't have anyone to spend that first on this season, is it still worth it? And mm-hmm. there's an interesting analog of this discussion to the discussions we had about Jake Gardner and JVR in each of the last two years. And in both of those cases, I was on team don't sell. And the reason I was on team don't mm-hmm. sell is because I thought the Leafs were a good team that had a chance to win a playoff series. And even if I didn't think they were the most likely team to win a title, I thought they had a puncher's chance. And also winning a series yeah. for a team that hasn't won a series in a long, long time, I think that's important. I genuinely do. I think that matters to the fan base. That's why I was more supportive than a lot of stats people about what Columbus did last year. Because mm-hmm. at some point, you need to show your fans as an owner, as a steward of a team, that like, hey, fuck it, we're here to win some games. And it probably won't mm-hmm. work, but it doesn't work for 30 other teams. And we're going to at least like give it a go and have fun along the way. Right? Playoff right. games are fun. That's the point. Right? Mm-hmm. That And that, that was kind of my, my thinking when it came to JVR, when it came to uh, Gardner. Now, both of them are way better than Tyson Berry. Way better. Way, way, way better. That's what gets me. Is because for the longest time we talked about Tyson Berry, say, is like, is he sort of a pseudo top pair guy? Is he a number three guy? I think he is a four or five defenseman. And I think most of the value he does possess is on the power play. Yeah. I think at even strength, he is genuinely not very good at all. Like, he's he's playable. Mm -hmm. He's better than maybe guy off the street. That's as much as I'm willing to say for him at even strength. And so I find myself thinking, what value are we really giving away in the quest to get those playoff games? Right. So I like, I re-listened to you know? our, our podcast about the Barry trade. And Oh God, man. When we evaluated <laughs> no, kidding. when we evaluated Barry, what we kind of said is like, yeah, the numbers mm-hmm. probably point him to being like an a- average NHL defenseman, but you factor in kind of the individual offense and maybe he gets a bit above that, is probably like a three. And I don't mm-hmm. think that was a horrifically off base. On, on on certain teams, he probably... Like, his value is very team-dependent because a lot of it is on the power play, as you said. Mm-hmm. And for the Leafs, like, who have Riley already, who have Sandine, who are fu- both good slash expected to be good on the power play, that's really not adding a whole lot of value above them, in my opinion. People will point to the fact that Barry's... The, the unit with Barry has been much better than the unit with Riley. The first unit with Barry, that is. That has better, been better than the first unit with Riley. That's confounded by the fact that the coaching change um, resulted in Barry going to the first unit and also the system changing in a way that is not necessarily reflective of Tyson Barry. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's why I would disagree with, with that argument. But, yeah, it's Barry is, uh, I agree, I think probably, probably a four, maybe a five. His numbers, by the way, have... After a resurgence under Keefe, um, they're, they're back to being kind of below below average uh, when you look at like RAPM uh, for this single season. And that is that still doesn't include his ter- horrible time under Babcock. But even yeah. under Keefe, the numbers are no longer sterling. Right. right. And he's being you know relied on to do more in a more yeah, injured defense. They're, they're and the result is not going as well. Yeah, yeah. they're passable. Um, so... Yeah, it's. I don't think it's silly to say, okay, well, you know, if Barry's just overrated as a player, like maybe the drop-off from him to Timothy Noegren is not that huge, and you can get something out of it. That said, I, I do think Barry's better than, alter, than our alternatives as of right now. I, I think that might not be true as early as next year. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I still do kind of believe, or at least I want to kind of believe in this team. Right, So I didn't want to make the team worse. And that's despite the fact that this team is not nearly as certain to make the playoffs as either of the previous two Leafs iterations. right? And when they do, they will probably have a tougher road than either of the last two Leafs iterations, which is 
surprising because the Leafs didn't have an easy road either of the last two seasons either, right? They, they mm-hmm. had Boston into Tampa, or at least Boston ex- uh, into an expected match with Tampa. But um, Boston is probably better this year than they were last year, and Tampa is about as good this year as they were last year, which is shocking because they were one of the best teams of all time last year. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. Right, so... <laughs> and, uh... With all that being yeah. said, like, so... My point in comparing this decision to to last to the decision with Gardner with the decision with JVR, I think there are valid reasons to be just to have said no. We're not. Let's not trade Jake. No, let's not trade JVR, and to say yes, let's trade Barry because this team isn't going to. It's far less likely that this team is going to do anything meaningful. Um, that said, I only really wanted to trade Barry for a flip. I didn't want to trade him just to trade him. Yeah. And that's fair. You know, there's a point at which the value, you know, I said glibly on Twitter, I traded for pretty much anything. That was an overstatement. But I would probably trade him for something that I suspect I could get. And I would be okay with it being a pick return, to be honest. It may just be a decreasing investment in this team this year for me. I'm not quite at the point where I'm saying right off this year entirely. Because again, we're still in the running for a playoff spot. Our direct competition is Florida. I mean, it's not out of the question that Buffalo goes on a huge run or something like that, but, I mean, maybe if Wayne Simmons just totally ignites the passion within that dressing room or something. But, like, realistically, it's like, okay, we're in a dead heat with Florida. Florida probably got worse today by trading Vincent Trocek. So, you know, there's certainly a case to be made. Right, and I I wanted to mention something about this. Um, And it relates to something Katya wrote earlier in the week. Where, actually, not earlier in the week, like literally right after the embarrassing loss um, against the Hurricanes. And it was basically like kind of a nihilist approach to, to hockey, but I guess in a slightly different way. Where The point she was making is because the Panthers lost that same night in a more, more nondescript fashion, mm-hmm. um, the Leafs were essentially in the same spot. After yeah. and before that game, the the path to wild card two became narrower. But you know, when it comes to the third Atlantic Division spot, it's kind of just the same game, right? And Pan- Florida has been struggling quietly about as much as we have. We we despite how bad this week was, the Leafs haven't really mm-hmm. lost that much in terms of playoff odds. Yeah, because we've won four of our last ten, and they've won three. So you know. That helps. So it, it's the point to make here is the Leafs are still probably better than a coin flip. All the models have them as better than a coin flip to make the playoffs. Now, the goal, of course, is not to make the playoffs. It's to actually do something when you get there. And when they do get there, they're probably facing Tampa, possibly facing Boston. Either way, it's not going to be easy. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're probably past the point of moral victories. Certainly moral victories in the first round are, are just not a thing anymore. Yeah, we like if the Leafs, you know, sneak in and then they push the Boston Bruins to seven games again, absolutely no one is going to be impressed. Like, I, I don't think anyone is going to cut them a lot of slack for, oh, what a hard year it's been in that perspective. It's got to be something or this year is a failure. And that doesn't mean that heads should roll more than they already have behind the bench or in the front office. But it does mean that this team disappointed and that it disappointed for, I'd say, the second year in a row. And I think that that is kind of glaring. I, again, you know, I really do try to avoid emotional reasoning here, but something about this week was just so bloody frustrating. Maybe it was just all the chatter about, you know, these are measuring stick games. This is the tough part of the schedule. This is the stretch run. We're going to show them what we can do. Kyle Dubas allegedly went to core players a few weeks ago on the Leafs and said, you know, depending on what you guys do in the next couple of weeks is going to determine our trade deadline strategy, including whether we add or not. And this was the response, you know, at least down the, the, the end of that, that time period. So, right. And, and again, like, I, I do want to emphasize you, you step back, you take the thousand foot view and you can feel mm-hmm. a lot better about it. Really? Like you genuinely can and, you know, even if you mm-hmm. believe the Leafs aren't as good as their stats say, there's a lot of room between as good as their stats say 
you know, their, their top level numbers. There's a lot of room between that and still a comfortable playoff caliber team that has the possibility to make some noise when they get there. And I still don't think teams mm-hmm. are super excited to play the Leafs. You right. can think of teams you'd rather face than us, that's for sure. Because, you know, the Leafs can conceivably blow up at some point and score on you a bunch. But, but yeah, it, it, it's you know, feel, at the same time... It's just hard to yeah. feel that way when when you're slowly watching the team kind of not perform well. And then, at, again, not to repeat ourselves, but this past week was legitimately not performing well. Right? It wasn't, yeah. oh man, like, Freddie's letting in everything. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Which Freddie is, a- you know, and at times we've said, yeah, you know, it's, it's goaltending is letting us down. And that was true. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the goaltending is going to fix itself, but it does mean that you have an obvious focus for the problem. There were a lot of problems this past week. Yeah. So, yeah, very yeah. much so. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm okay with what they did on the whole on the trade deadline. I, I don't think we needed to mm-hmm. trade Barry. The fifth round pick that we got for uh, money laundering was found money. Found picks, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. Tyler Rosen, yeah, sure, bring him aboard. Happy to have him. Um, the Muzzin extension, which I guess was finalized, understandable, still risky, but understandable and uh, about as good as it could have been in the circumstances. Right there, there was no, there was no option there that makes you feel great. Um, so it was again, yeah. about as good as it could be. I I still do trust Kyle Dubas, and, and to be clear, like the people shitting on Kyle Dubas at this point. I, I think, you know, the guy is clearly not perfect, but he he's mm-hmm. not the issue with this team. I would, I don't, off the top of my head, there aren't five GMs who I would prefer to him. I'm not sure there are any. Maybe and not. With maybe all Don my Sweeney. complaints about him, it's just, Don Sweeney's done a good job, but yeah. I, th- you I think know, Sweeney, Eiserman, Breezebois, and I, I'm very biased to the Eastern Conference here because that's the one; those are the teams I follow closer. Um, but those are the ones yeah. that I I think you can argue for pretty convincingly. Uh, I'm not; I'm still not sure I do it, but I think there's an argument for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And I mean, Eiserman Breezebois is interesting because they both get credit a lot for the same thing. Yes. And I'm really curious to see how Eiserman does with this total burn down in in Detroit. But, yeah, you know, ultimately. I said earlier, he's never done anything that I think is indefensible. I think that he's made moves that made sense to me, even if I was a bit iffy on some of them at times. I was on board with the Nazem Kadri trade, as frustrated as I've since been with Barry, and I still think it's not awful, certainly to the extent that some people seem to think that it was. I know that you know the frustration is focused on the defenseman, understandably, including for me. But I think Kerfoot is a good addition. And I get the the impetus for that kind of deal. It's just, you know, the results have been a disappointment, I think, to a lot of us throughout this year. And at some point, you know, it, the longer the overall product is a disappointment, uh, the more stress that puts on the job securities of everyone involved. It already got rid of Mike Babcock, mm-hmm. and well-deservedly so. But, it you know, the team can't stagnate and spend every year with us wondering when are they going to get it together without there eventually being some core changes. I still think we're a long ways from trading any of the big four, and I don't want to consider that at this point. I think it would I think be stupid to trade any of the have... four. Because I think the thing that I think is... it would be too. This has been a top-heavy team. This has been a team whose success has been driven by those guys. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really the depth that have been poor and, of course, goaltending. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I, I don't think Marner's worth his... worth. I don't think... I guess worth his money is an, you get, that's an ambiguous statement. I think we could have signed Marner for cheaper, but he's still undeniably a brilliant player. Right, we're getting revisionism right. about Tavares. Oh, so maybe signing Tavares wasn't the right move, and it's like, I think people forget that Tavares himself has also been quite good this year. Yeah, I mean, the only argument is, okay, you should have spent the money on the defense. You should have spent the money on the defense, Ooh. and it's like, yeah, I like, I want to hear a plan. I want to hear an alternative thing that they they should have pursued. And I hate to say it, but like a lot of the people who make this line of argument are either, you know 
other Canadian fan bases who just want to lull the Leafs and don't actually care. Or people who wanted us to get big physical defenseman X who's 33 and actually can't do anything anymore, who's like a slightly younger Roman Polak. You know, like, I want to hear an actual road to where this team got the key defenseman who's helping them as much as John Tavares is doing. Right, and so the thing is, like, you know. People point to cap efficiency. It's like, oh, that Tavares contract isn't a great contract. No, it's not. But we didn't have to give up any assets to sign it. Right? And mm-hmm. Yes, cap space is great. It means you can absorb contracts and trades. That's, that's phenomenal. It's very useful. You have to trade something back. Right? That right. You lose an asset as a result. That's the value of signing elite-level free agents. Even if the contract isn't worth it, you just added a bunch of wins to your team for no other assets besides money. Mm-hmm. And, like, I do feel compelled to emphasize this just by way of contrast. I would say that the combined excess of cap over value in this year for all of Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, such as it is, is less than whatever the Marlowe contract was. Yeah. Like, no problem. Like, a single bad, real dud free agency contract is worse than all the excess we're spending there. And, you know, teams survive them. They survive them by finding value elsewhere, Sometimes by making other good plays. Sometimes they to Anaheim and, and getting a first-line caliber winger back. Oh, my God. Yeah, we haven't even gotten into that, but it's very much the rich getting richer with that stupid trade from... I guess, I mean, we can address it in passing. But, yeah, let's address yeah. it. I mean... Andre Kasha is a great player when he's healthy. If he stays healthy, I find it hard to see a universe in which that deal is not incredibly good for Boston. If he doesn't stay healthy, then it's only okay. Yeah, like that's kind of the uh, the bottom line there. Is they dispose of the David Backus contract mostly. They retained a little bit on it, but they're only sitting at a million five. And this is for a guy who was not playing for them at all anymore like he had no further utility to them and they gave up a first and a prospect to unload that and to get back Andre Kasha who exactly like you said when he's healthy he's been terrific and so you know I have to admit it's a little frustrating to me in terms of why does Boston always get to be better but one of the virtues of being a no doubt like top of the list contender is you get to make moves um, where you confidently give up your first-round pick and it's total, it's kind of painless for you. Like, I don't think anyone in Boston is lamenting that loss the way that I sometimes am tempted to lament what we had to pay to get rid of Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we should um, emphasize here, you know. um, those situations were not really that comparable. Yeah, they weren't. And it's, it's worth noting... The way that we were trying to dispose of the Patrick Marlowe contract, we were up against it. We had to unload the whole thing, or we were going to lose at least one of Kapanen and Janssen. And, and be squeezed on Marner even worse yeah. than we were. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a problem. And we wanted to trade him to someone, therefore, who could buy him out. Uh, the receiving team had to buy him out, unless they were the San Jose Sharks, because that was the only place that he wanted to go at the time. And so we were kind of up a creek. We had to do it now. We had to find a taker. We had to find someone who was willing to spend a lot of money to get rid of it. And it had to so, be... Yeah. Uh, Although it's worth... To the point of yeah. we had to do it now. Like, it had to be bef- during the first buyout window. So before July 1st. Yeah, exactly. The second buyout window couldn't have worked. So there are a lot of reasons why that situation is different. As frustrating as it is to watch a team do better with a bad contract. Um, you know. And you could say, like, look, that is part of the cost of being capped out is that you can't be patient unloading your bad deals the way that Boston was able. Like, Boston could have lived with David Backus on their books. They were doing so. It's just they took the opportunity to get rid of him, and that benefited them. Whereas we could not have waited on Marlowe. We needed that money now. Um, so, I, you know, I, yeah, I guess you can say that that's part of the price you pay. But uh, dialing it back around, you know... Boston is a genuine contender this year. They could quite easily win the cup. I, I would say they're one of the best three teams in the NHL right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. we, we might have to face them around one or round two. And I guess that, it comes back to how you mm-hmm. feel about this team, right? I, and that's, it feels like all these, all our podcasts have been like, oh, how do you feel about the Leafs? Because it seems to change very often. And yeah, it, it's, it's, 
the reality is, if you're being like logical and rational and cold and calculating about it, it shouldn't change that much, right? I, mm-hmm. They're a good but flawed team. But the longer yeah. you go without mm-hmm. seeing the good aspect in consistent outbursts, the more you doubt that in your mind, even if kind of what the stats say is one thing. The other thing is, you know, the stats, I think we I, I think we make this mistake where we kind of know this intuitively, but we don't say this enough. The stats are not a guarantee of anything. They're indications of, mm-hmm. you know, what has historically predicted well. And by predicted well, we mean predicted better than everything else that we have because hockey's fucking hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah absolutely could something could be missing like maybe this team does lack heart i don't know how to assess that i don't know how to assess that in any way that is not post hawk right i don't know how to assess that in any way that is not that team won therefore they have heart versus that team lost versus they don't have heart but maybe yeah i I mean the, the thing is is that the interrelated arguments about heart tend to come down to sounding like and sometimes people even just say i don't really believe in that when really what the point is, is one, if it matters, it shows up in larger macro results over time. And two, we can't really evaluate it from a distance. So the more cautious way to analyze it is to say, okay, maybe it's there, but I won't make any conclusions based on it because I can't measure it. Um, I really would hate to sort of have to go back into the whole thing about like, you can't build a team this way. You can't win with players like this. You can't bet on skill. You can't bet on talent because I firmly believe that that's not true. But, you know, there are games that make it seem plausible that there's something missing here. There are games where this team looks like it's really underperforming its talent level and more realistically its paycheck size. And I'll be the first to admit that this week has been uh, a bit of a struggle for me in not feeling that way about it. And I, I think anyone who listens to me babble on on this podcast all the time will say normally I try to avoid that stuff. It's been really frustrating. And I'm not sure what else to say. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, that this team could absolutely just go, you know, 3-0 next week and suddenly we feel all better and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... They're... they're quite clearly not as good as Tampa, not as good as Boston, right? I mean, even if you yeah. even if you just want to say it's goaltending, well, goaltending does matter, right? And mm-hmm. we can't reasonably expect great goaltending to the same degree that the other teams can because they've gotten it more regularly. Um, and we've also, you know, trended poorly these last few games. I don't know if that's just a blip or if that's the start of something else, right? So... You know, we talked actually earlier in the year about one one of the low-hanging fruit that Keith had was he was just playing his stars more, mm-hmm. right? Like, are are we seeing any fatigue-related issues from them? I, I don't know. That's To be clear, that's completely a question. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Um, but, you know, that's a possibility, right? Is this just, you know, a few bad games in close uh, succession, which happens to any team and particularly to, you know, good not great teams it happens more to them than to excellent teams so yeah there's there's it's it's tricky um i'm fine as i said i'm fine with what they did this this trade deadline i think it's all pretty reasonable pretty defensible um there's nothing that i think is like a amazing deal i mean i guess the closest is actually just the the money laundering which yeah it, it's because not, like, that's a pure pure profit yeah it's us. not amazing in terms of the impact it has it's just uh, it's a type of deal i like uh, to see my gm make it mm-hmm. yeah and so you know i i guess the thing is is that the trade deadline always carries with it the promise that your team is going to do something to address the things that have been fretting you about this team this team has given us a hell of a lot to worry about this year and so the fact that nothing is really coming to even try to address that is a little frustrating to me. That doesn't mean that they should have done something again. I don't know what they turned down. I don't know what was available. Again, I suspect there was a deal for Tyson Berry that I would have taken, but it would have made us worse and it would have run a risk 
of us missing the playoffs, or it would have increased the chance of us missing the playoffs. I don't know by how much. I suspect, again, not very much. But there are so many moving parts there. So the bottom line is, I guess, here's who we got. It's on the players now, as it always is in the end. I don't know if that's much consolation at this point, to be honest. But this is, <laughs> when, when you know, this is what we got. Down? <laughs> Name even one time you felt disappointed. It, it is, you know, and again, there are so many things that can go into it that aren't just, oh, they don't want it enough. They don't have any heart. They don't try hard. I don't really buy any of those explanations. But for the same reason, I don't really buy that suddenly they're going to get religion and perform way better than they have heretofore because they've gotten an injection of heart because Kyle Dubas went in and said, listen, it's all on you now. You know, hell, we know for a fact, apparently, that he said that. <laughs> and here we are. So the most likely probability is we're going to have this same up and down scuffling, flawed, occasionally brilliant, occasionally disastrous team that is more likely than not to make the playoffs, but by no means guaranteed. And then that is interesting, but probably doesn't win round one. And so, you know, how much use of it is to have a chance? Well, I guess that's the point of sports is you're in with a chance, but... The end of this season is kind of in sight in a lot of ways, and it would take one hell of a fluke for it not to be a disappointment, in my opinion. It'd be, it'd be pretty surprising if the Leafs had more than 27 games left in their season. Yeah, like if this were if this were the year that we finally broke through, and then, you know, some people like to say, hey, they faced adversity for a change. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> they certainly have, so... What benefits that has to offer the spirit of the team, I do not venture to predict. But, yeah, it's it's a bit of an underwhelming time right now, even if, again, Cal Dubas is mostly doing smart or at least not stupid things. Yeah. All right, I don't really have a, a lot to add on top of that. Was there anything else that we failed to touch on? or? No, I think that that's probably... Also, like, the way that I'm going, this is going to get so nihilistic if we get past an hour, so maybe we'd better wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, let's cut it off here. Um, yeah. In conclusion, the Leafs are a team of contrasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The takeaway is uh, sometimes they win, but sometimes they also lose. Mm. Who can say? Yeah. All right, so thank you guys all for listening. Um, you can catch all of mine and Fulham and stuff at pensionhappuppets.com. We have a lot of trade deadline coverage. Well, I say we. I don't think we contributed to any of it. The site has a lot of trade deadline <laughs> coverage. Uh, most of Katya, to be honest. Um, but you can also follow me and Fulman on Twitter at RVNATFulman. We'll see you next week.